When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome, everyone, to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We are recapping day two of the NFL draft. Dan Lobby with Mary Kay Cabot, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, Doug Lay, Maurice, all in various places. Um, but here we go. Got to recap day two. But first of all, of course, our favorite topic, Baker Mayfield, because Mary Kay, the Carolina Panthers, went and picked a quarterback, Matt Corral. They, they moved up to the third round to get him. Look, that was kind of the Browns' best hope, at least to this point, of maybe getting Baker Mayfield out of Cleveland. Do you think there's still a chance he gets moved this weekend, though? You know, I do still think there is a chance that that he gets moved. I think the Browns are motivated to move him. I think they'll be creative in what they're trying to do. Uh, you know, they don't have a ton of leverage. I think some teams are waiting for them and think they actually will just cut him. I know of at least one team that is hoping for that to happen. I don't see them doing that. I think that um, if that were the case, they would hang on to him at least until, you know, the start of the season and, uh, and see if someone kind of gets a little bit desperate and needs a quarterback. So I don't think that they're going to panic and I don't think they're going to make a bad deal. And I think they're going to let it fall to them and everybody's going to have to be professional and handle it that way. Doug, I, I mean, I, I don't know. What, what else is there to add to this saga, I guess, until we, we get this resolution? Well, I guess the idea of what is the difference between cutting him, right, and you're on the hook for everything versus just having him be on the roster but not be around and then wait, as Mary Kay said, there's always injuries in camp or even injuries early in the season if they can be professional. But it just the, it, it's interesting to me that the guy – who a lot of people I've thought this, I know Daniel Jeremiah on the, on the broadcast on Friday night mentioned it. The guy in this draft who most compares to Baker Mayfield at quarterback is Sam Howell from North Carolina. And he hasn't been picked yet. So it people don't want the current Baker Mayfield and they don't want the next Baker Mayfield, like the Baker Mayfield style of quarterbacking, which is maybe you're a little undersized. You're a good athlete, not a great athlete. You got to run some bootlegs to get out, but you're not going to kill people with your legs the way some other quarterbacks are going to do. That apparently is passe. It has gone away. And so like that, that is interesting to me that it, I think it goes to why nobody feels the need to do it. Right. So what Mary Kay is saying is I think the need needs to be almost artificially created by an injury or something else that happens to what somebody's quarterback plan is. And so pay him, tell him to stay in Lake Travis and ride the jet ski and wait for another quarterback to get injured. Actually seems like it might make a lot of sense. You know, just really quickly, let me interject. The only thing about that plan is the fact that the stay away part of it uh, isn't what is 
is expected to happen. Now he can stay away throughout all of the off-season program because it's voluntary, but once it gets time for mandatory minicamp and training camp, he will be expected to be here. He will have to be here during training camp. Uh, you can't waive fines or anything like that. Uh, he's going to have to be around and he will be treated like any other player and he will have to get out there and practice. At least that is the plan heading into it. Okay. Sorry. That actually sounds terrible. Don't do that. Then. <laughs> yeah. And because what happened last year uh, with Deshaun Watson is they were going to have him practice with the team and, and do some different things and just kind of be around. And it quickly took on a circus type atmosphere and very shortly into that plan, they scrapped it and just said, no, you go over there and you do your own thing. Now that was an entirely different circumstance, but the plan in this situation is for him to practice with the team as normal. Scott, the Browns take Cade York at number 108 and then package five picks and Baker Mayfield to Seattle. Who says no? Certainly not Mary Kay uh, or Doug, I think. Uh, I think they're both on board with that. You know, I think, you know, it makes so much sense for the Browns just to wait until something happens in training camp, of course. But that makes no sense for Baker Mayfield. And I'm sure he would, and his representatives would be pushing to get him out of this situation as soon as possible. He, he doesn't want to wait until there's an emergency situation. Then you're joining a team, what, X number of weeks before the season um that's just not a great situation to be in that's really puts you behind the eight ball this is a guy who's trying to find a place where he can kind of resurrect his career in a way and that's just that's just really uh you know putting yourself with no margin for error i think he'd much prefer obviously to be able to figure out where he's going right now or you know spend an off-season program with somebody and and be able to even if he doesn't go in as the the starter at least challenge for it you have time you're learning everything so um yeah it makes sense from the brown standpoint but i can't see baker mayfield just sitting back and you know going off to the side and playing catch with with somebody like uh like sean sean watson was doing last year at texas practices so ashley how do you think this ends when does it end what i'm i'm (laughs) laughing because it's just so messy it's so messy than like it's so much messier than we thought it might be when carolina seemed like the landing spot and might have been messy for them but it wouldn't be messy for the browns but kind of like we're saying here it's like it's not an ideal situation to cut him and have to pay everything and and do it that way but it's also not ideal to kind of have him hanging around and have it turn into a circus in, in multiple ways so I don't know how it ends. Why do you, why do I always get asked the hardest questions on this podcast? That was a Doug move, Dan. It was, it was. I like, I like doing that. <laughs> uh, I do think in the end, right. So what would the Browns get at this point? Could they get, so he's owed 18. Could they get somebody to pay six and give him a sixth round pick or something like, what are they even going to get at this point? But whatever they would get, is it worth risking possible distraction? I can't, the idea of him being in camp in August blows my mind. That can't happen, right? That can't happen. Now that I know that he's not allowed to stay away and get paid, that can't happen. They're trying to win right now. You cannot, they're going to have 40% of the people at camp are going to be wearing six jerseys. You can't, it can't, right? That is not That's a feasible I mean, yeah. option for a team trying to make the playoffs this year. That would be insane to me. Well, again, that sometimes 
what sounds good or right on paper, when you actually put it into effect, it doesn't go how you think it's going to go. So I think it would be so incredibly awkward to try to pull that off. And hopefully for all involved, it won't be an issue and something will come to fruition over the next couple of days. And there's still, I mean, realistically, there's still a month and a half until this kind of, like if this lasts another month and a half, that's when you kind of hit that point where he's got to show up. And so if it's not in the next couple of days, hopefully something will happen between now and the middle of June, you would hope, or I don't know, maybe we'll be attending the Baker Mayfield Youth Camp at Shaker Heights High School in July again. And I, I don't know, but I, I feel like this organization is too smart and has come too far to just kind of let this, to not at least acknowledge like, and eh, maybe you're not maximizing the value, but it's worth it just to not have the distraction. Training camp has so much potential to be volatile just as is with right. Deshaun Watson there and fans there. I mean, there's not, everybody's going to be cheering. Um, and then you, if you add Baker Mayfield in that equation, yeah, it's just circus. It'd be ridiculous. I could envision like a report in July that Drew Locke, Seattle quarterback, Drew Locke was injured on the golf course Thursday when he was run over in a golf cart by a man in a Harvard sweatshirt. Uh, the suspect has a mustache and uh, threw a, a contract of Baker Mayfield at Locke's feet as he drove away. Like, you're going to have to make your own luck here, man, if you're getting to the edge of camp and Baker Mayfield's raring to show up. You know what the part of the problem is? Not everybody has that sort of NBA-style analytics mindset uh, that the Browns did when they made the Brock Osweiler trade. Not not everybody is you know creative enough or forward thinking enough to do something like that. And you know you're trying to make those kind of phone calls and pull off a deal like this when you're also making trades in the middle of a draft. And I tweeted a little while ago with with Andrew saying to. Uh, the PR director on the way into the press conference said, we only make one trade today. I mean, he's been on the phone and on the phone and on the phone. And this is a complicated deal because the draft pick compensation is directly tied to the, the money. You know, it's like one goes up, the other one goes down. So there's so many different ways that you can do it. And it, um, it really does take some very, very smart and creative people to pull it off. But it also takes two to tangle. And you've got to find somebody else that's willing to do something a little bit progressive and get this thing done. And frankly, the Browns have no leverage. Like even if they attached a second round pick to Baker Mayfield, you're hoping that's a pick in the fifties, maybe a pick in the sixties, right? Like even that pick is kind of like, ah, okay, that's all right, whatever. But I mean, pick 68 was Alex Wright. Like it wasn't, it's not a great pick. It's just kind of a pick. But what's more important, like Mary Kay, would the Browns attach a pick to get people to eat the money so they don't have to eat the money? Or would they rather just then cut him and eat all the money themselves but not have to give up a pick to trade him? You know, I mean, I think if you can at least get a nice sizable chunk off the, you know, of that salary off of your books, 
uh, you would want to try to do that. But the thing is, I think initially they didn't want to pay a dime. They did not want to pay a dime of any of that for him to play somewhere else. That's changed. They're willing to do something. Uh, but I think that the way that they feel about it right now is they'll keep him for quality depth as opposed to making a bad deal. You know, they, they don't, excuse me, they don't want to make a bad deal. But once again, you know, if they're desperate enough, maybe lopping five, $6 million off, off the cap will, will be enough. Well, I think we're going to have some more pods on this at some point. So let's take a break and let's talk about some guys who are going to play for the Cleveland Browns this year. Uh, the guys that they picked in the second round, uh, third round, actually. It's been a long day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, uh, let's talk draft. I, I don't know. I guess we can go player by player here. But honestly, I would just kind of like to hear your guys' thoughts on the Browns' approach today and how they did. And I think that'll lead us into some of these players. So they made the decision to trade down from number 44. And I sort of have mixed emotions about that. One, because the team that they traded with took a player I wouldn't have minded seeing on the Cleveland Browns and and John Mechie. Um, So I, I guess just overall, your impressions of what the Browns did today, their approach, I think some fans on Twitter, I saw like maybe picking David Bell kind of saved it for them because it, it brought a receiver here at least. I guess I'm kind of just meh on the day. Like I don't have a problem with it, but I'm not coming away from today super excited about what they did. Is anyone, is anyone like fired up about what the Browns did today? Does anyone want to pound the table and say, man, the Browns absolutely nailed the day? You know, I very quickly, I, I kind of want to point out why I think this trade happened and when it, when it did, why it did. Um, they went into it. They, they really liked some cornerbacks in this draft. They had some cornerbacks rated very, very highly. Um, Kyler Gordon was one of them out of Washington. And Clemson's Andrew Booth was another one. And when Kwesi Adolfo Mensah, the former Browns personnel exec who is now the Minnesota Vikings general manager, but who spent the whole entire season all the way up until a couple of months ago when he got that job, um, I probably in January, um, you know, he spent the whole scouting season with the Browns. He jumped up over them at number 40. They were at number 44. The Browns were, uh, he climbed up to number 42 and took Andrew Booth. My guess is if Andrew Booth had been available at number 44, this trade might not have happened. Now, I can't say that for sure, because they also did like John Mechie. And, you know, he was there and they did like a number of other guys. Um, but I, I think when those two guys were gone, I think they had them in a, at, at a certain level. And after that, they were like, no, we've got this other bunch of guys and we know that we can get one of them later in the draft, including the cornerback that they did get, uh, Martin Emerson, who they got with the number 68 overall pick. So, you know, I mean, look, they got, they ended up getting uh, 
extra picks out of it. And we don't know how this is going to work out yet. I don't have a huge, I don't have a huge, huge problem with it because obviously they didn't like anybody well enough to stay there at 44 and, and make that pick. Well, it doesn't seem fair that the guy's with the Browns the whole time and then he figures out who they like and then he jumps ahead of them. I don't think that should be allowed. <laughs> You have to always pick behind the team you lead. You know, yes. I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking critically here, but that, yeah. that seems to me like, well, it, what happened? It makes sense, too, when, you know, Andrew Berry talks to us after, and he, he mentioned kind of like what Mary Kay laid out, that later in, these, in this draft, in the third round, et cetera, that they felt like there was going to be a real sweet spot of guys that they could get there. So it kind of makes sense that maybe somebody they had their eye on went right before them that made them more keen to to trade back and get more value via picks. So Scott, I don't mind them taking a corner. Like I said, I mean, I don't have like a big issue with anything they did. I'm just not super excited about it, but like, you know, I, I think I tweeted this. They were pretty reliant on AJ green a good number of times last year. So mm-hmm. and you played all well. right. It's all, yeah. It's all right though. If you want to add another corner considering the state of the room now and what it could be next year when greedy Williams might be gone, when Troy Hill might be gone, you know, there's going to be some turnover. So again, I don't have an issue with it. I'm just not, you know, I'm not doing somersaults in the hallway because I'm thrilled with, with who the Browns came away with tonight. Have you ever done somersaults in the hallway there after I'm, a draft pick? Eh, maybe once or twice. <laughs> yeah. I wrote uh, way back before the second round started. Uh, what day was that Friday? Um, I wrote about positional value and I, I wrote about how uh, wide receiver was so much higher in terms of uh, impacting scoring and impacting winning than edge. And I thought like if they came down to those two positions, how the analytics group there in Berea might, might be saying, Hey, you know, that wide receiver just makes a lot more sense, especially when you consider uh, what we have on the roster um, and all that. More so than Edge, which, again, doesn't have a lot going for it other than Miles Garrett on the roster before today. So um, there was that. But also, corner is very highly rated. I mean, pretty much anything that's directly involved with the passing game is going to be ranked higher in value because that's what this league is. And even though the Browns haven't been one of those teams offensively that uh, has had a huge passing game, they have to defend those teams. And so take it – I mean, it makes sense. I mean, after for, for depth and – I know that's a lot of fans want want guys who they know are going to come in and try to start. But by the time you get to the third round, um, you're looking at depth. And I felt like they they addressed positions where it made sense to add it so far. I tweeted like half jokingly, but half seriously that they traded down to get maneuverability to get a kicker. But they did, but previously they didn't have a pick between 118 and 202, right? And actually, like kicker range is probably somewhere between 118 and 202. So they added two fourth round picks. And the thing that, you know, they they obviously strapped themselves with picks, uh, making the Watson deal. So there's a part of me that's like, wow, I hope they don't trade down the next three drafts trying to replenish themselves because they gave up so many picks for Watson and that there's like this residual Watson thing of they don't get as many potentially impactful guys in the draft because they're dropping down to regather their picks. So maybe I don't need to be preemptively worried about that, but 
it is difficult for me from like a fan perspective. And really, what do I know? Most fans know more than I do. They trade out of 44 and then right there, George Pickens and Sky Moore go a couple picks later. And it's like, they could have had those guys. And as you said, Dan, John Mechie went in the spot. A lot of us thought they should draft a receiver and they could have. And then when Pickens goes to the Steelers and it's like, oh, oh, so you didn't draft George Pickens so he can just torture you twice a year for the next decade? Cool. And it's announced by Chase Claypool, who is, by the way, a second round receiver who hit big and then goes announced to George Pickens and takes a shot at the Browns while he's doing it. It's like, well, this is fun. I'm glad they traded down to get an extra fourth rounder for this. So I wish they would have taken a receiver. But Dan, I'm where you said you think a lot of fans might be. If part of it is they love David Bell. And David Bell had a bad combine. And they were like, he had a bad combine, but we love everything about this guy. We're going to get him late. And we know we're going to get him. And we like him better or as well as Skymore or George Pickens or the guy, Alec Pierce, the guys we could get now. If that's the deal, then it does save it to some degree. If they had come, if they had traded down and not drafted, not just a receiver, but a receiver that has some things in on his resume that make you think like this actually could work. I would be much more down on what happened today, but I do think maybe, maybe David Bell does save this and let's see what he looks like in camp. And this, you know, uh, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say this for a while. It felt kind of like 2016 in a way when they did trade out of the second round. Uh, remember that year they had 14 picks, made a bunch of deals. Half of those picks that year were in the third and fourth rounds. And obviously the whole idea, um, well, they didn't make the most of those picks we know now, but the whole idea is give yourself more swings and uh, right in the middle of the round where, a lot, where good things can happen. Um, it's hard to sell that to some people because they see second round pick and they have higher expectations for that. Um, but those middle rounds are important. And they had six, they have six picks, assuming they keep all their fourth rounders in the third and fourth round this year. Um, so you have more opportunities to find players who can, contribute you might not get a guy who's going to come in and definitely be a starter although bell certainly has a, a chance to do that um but it, it just reminded me of that and you know andrew barry was part of that obviously and just the whole analytics idea of getting yourself more opportunities to get it right and you know let's revisit george uh pickens for a minute pickens was he was not a culture fit he, he wasn't a culture fit for the Browns it just that's just how it went so he was not he was not going to be here for those reasons um, but it will be interesting to watch over the next couple of years uh, you know this is this trade is one uh, to kind of keep an eye on and you know it is kind of fun I went back and really analyze the 2020 draft and the 2021 draft. So in a couple of years or even, even next year, we'll look at this again and see, uh, you know, what did Alec Pierce do? The uh, wide receiver from, from Cincinnati. Uh, you know, there, there are some, some good players here. What did Sky Moore do? And how does that stack up with, uh, you know, what the fourth round picks uh, are going to become for the Cleveland Browns because they did pass on. I think they passed on a number of good players. I mean, there, there are some, uh, I would have to say uh, a lot of players, I would say at least half a dozen players that I can think of that I thought, Hmm, 
wait, what about Drake Jackson or what, you know? So it'll be interesting to see if, uh, if they won this trade. Ashley, I feel like we should have seen David Bell coming though. When they yeah. picked him and I kind of dug in, it was like, oh, three years at a Big Ten school, super productive, 21 years old. It's like, yeah. yeah, this was right in Andrew Berry's wheelhouse. The age and the production. And Andrew basically said, like, you know, you look at those combine testing numbers and yeah, they weren't obviously ideal. Um, looking up his 40 time now, for those who need a refresher, he ran a 4.65 at the combine and then he was even slower at his pro day running a 4.71 but they just think he has some traits that can make up for that. Uh, his hands were one thing that came up with Andrew Berry mentioned he had the, they thought he had the best hands in the draft class. So that certainly could have been a factor. They think that he can make his living in the slot in Cleveland. So all of that stuff, these, these intangibles that we've talked about with Andrew Berry over the last few years, like he does have all of those. So maybe they think they're getting a steal and Doug, I know you tweeted like, something about this that there is another guy who Cleveland fans are familiar with in Jarvis Landry who tested terribly when he was going through the draft process and obviously is an outlier but maybe they're thinking that David Bell has some of that in him and if he had tested better he wouldn't have been there when the Browns picked him he he would have been a picked in the 40s if he didn't run a 465 he's like the the anti Anthony Schwartz to me because he's super productive and he's slow. Right. And last year they took a receiver in the third round who's fast and doesn't look like he knows how to play the receiver yet. So David Bell knows how to play receiver. So on one hand, it's like, well, I'm, I guess I'm a little surprised. Yes, I agree with what you guys said. Young, productive at a big program, all that stuff. He had great games. Uh, you know, he was good against Ohio State when he's the only thing on the offense you have to worry about. Um, but it is pretty slow. But I, I guess that, like if you, I, who would you rather have, Anthony Schwartz or David Bell? I'd rather have David Bell. I don't know yet. I can't honestly say I don't know yet. So, but I will say I do want to on the Pickens thing. Obviously, Mary Kay, you have reporting on this, but I just will say I don't buy the idea that Deshaun Watson is a culture fit and Pickens is a culture fit for the Steelers, but he's not a culture fit for the Browns. It's not like Pickens fell to pick 120. He went 52 to the Steelers that we think it epitomize like what good culture in football is. So Obviously, they think that, so we'll have to see what happens with George Pickens, but that feels like, uh, like uh, so this, I and we talked about it on a previous pod, and you mentioned it, Mary-Kate, it's like when you have the Deshaun Watson, it's like, oh, but this guy has a thing. It's like, okay, I, know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Like that, that amplified, you. that oh. amplified it when it's like, oh, but the Steelers are okay with it. It's not like the Steelers fly by the seat of their pants, and he went eight picks later. And it feels like it's exactly the kind of guy who's going to go there and be really good. And I and for them to cross a guy off their board for culture fit, like sounds like I don't know what. I don't love it. By the way, I wanted to look this up to make sure I had it right. That for some reason, Purdue's pro day, they ran their 40 outdoors yeah. and the weather was awful. Like, what are they doing? Are they trying to make sure that guys don't get drafted when they come to Purdue? <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm not here to day, criticize Purdue, but like, they're hanging on by a thread, man. <laughs> your pro day 40 is supposed to be on super fast turf, and it's supposed to be about 38 yards. That's what your 40 yard dash is supposed to be on your pro day, and maybe downhill if you can pull that off. I, I will say, you know, who was a first team all Big Ten receiver last year? David Bell. 
You know who wasn't a first-team All-Big Ten receiver? Garrett Wilson. So the Browns have that going for him. <laughs> His speed isn't everything. Cooper Cup's pretty slow. I mean, which which I, as soon as I tweeted, David Bell is slow. That's what it's like. Oh, great! <laughs> so there's one great slow receiver that everybody can say. Well, Cooper Cup is that, like that's all okay. I need. One great comparison. He's every other bad. <laughs> every other minute of the draft, it's like fast receivers, fast receivers. Then it's like, oh, you draft the slow one, and all of a sudden he's the MVP of the Super Bowl. <laughs> all right the one name we haven't mentioned uh just real quick here alex Wright. why do we uh, keep forgetting about poor alex Wright? i, I don't <laughs> no, i don't about no, love the guy already um did we learn anything about the browns and what they want there is alex Wright a starter is it going to take time i won't put anything past this team honestly i think sometimes they draft guys and it's like oh that guy's going to start two years from now and then week one he's on the field starting and playing 80 snaps. So I don't know. They, they, they obviously like his versatility. Uh, they think he could, it sounded like they feel like he can grow a little bit. He's six, seven, two seventy right now, but it sure sounded like they feel like he can six, get bigger. five, six, five. You're right. It says yes. six, seven on the paper. Uh, UAB got a little <laughs> shaky <laughs> with their, uh, program heights, but the, the combine height was six, five, uh, two seventy, but it sounds like that maybe there could be some more weight there. Uh, did, did we learn anything with this pick? Well, we learned that he is very eager to learn for, from Miles Garrett, and you can do a lot worse than wanting to learn and, and watch and, and build on your game uh, from spending a whole heck of a lot of time with Miles Garrett. So that, that will be helpful. Uh, I think he'll work his way into uh, more of the starting type role. When you draft somebody in the third round, you don't necessarily expect them to start right away. Sort of the philosophy of a third round pick is, you work your way in, and then eventually, in a perfect world, you become a starter. So I would say, go out and get yourself Jadavian Clowney as soon as you possibly can, and let this young guy learn from the two number one overall picks. Yeah, I was going to say for me, like, it kind of makes me hope that a Clowney deal is coming, like, for that reason. Like, I think this is a good depth pick right now, but one of the most intriguing things about Alex Wright when you read about him and given how long, you know, his kind of history with the game of football, he left the game for a while, he concentrated on music, he came back to it uh, later on, but overall he just has like high ceiling characteristics when you see what the analysts have, have said about him. And he's disruptive in both the pass and the run game, but I think he's very much still a work in, in progress that has room to grow. So it would make me more excited for him to be surrounded by more vets, I think. I'm still operating under the belief that Clowney's coming back and, and Winovich and, and Wright are going to be depth guys on the edge. Um, but it, it's about time Andrew Barry drafted an edge. He hadn't done it yet. And they needed somebody young that they can kind of develop well, you know, for whatever he becomes. Maybe Porter Gustin was kind of that guy the last couple of years. Um, but now that he's gone, I think uh, it, just, it just makes sense to have somebody here that you you brought in you're developing who's young and you're not just relying on whatever you can get you know uh cost effectively in free agency the everyone knows it now it's almost cliched about how much andrew bray likes young players he drafted three 21 year olds like it's just it's real it's like oh you're somebody got drafted who's 25 (laughs) <laughs> and like I'm conditioned enough now they said uh, this guy's 25 is like 
Well, that's a ridiculous pick to make because age is the most important thing about a player because I'm in the Browns mindset, right? So (laughs) it's like one of those things. I, if you're 23 and there are guys that there are plenty of guys in the draft who are 23, there's not many 25 year olds. If you're 23, you're out. If you're 22, were you born in July or October, right? <laughs> but man, like they want it's, them young. They are just trait. doubling down on what they do. It's a trait. And, and that's something too. There was a chart that was going around that this has sort of been their MO since 2017. Like they're, it was a bar graph and the Browns were like yeah. way yeah. shorter than everybody else yes. as far as like their, their average age. So this is like going back to Andrew's first time through here. John Dorsey, that's something that I, I think he stuck to a lot. And now Andrew is, you know, it's an analytics thing. And, and that's analytics in all sports, honestly. It's in basketball, they're not going to draft somebody who's 23, 22. They're going to draft somebody who's 19 if they can. So but yeah, I, I it's w- just sort of following that trend. I wonder, though. I mean, I, I'd like to look back at age of the guy drafted versus how well they did I did not do age when I went back and looked at, <laughs> at the uh, at the at the two drafts, but it would be interesting. I mean, David Njoku was super young, 20, I believe, when he was drafted. And he's been around for a hundred years, and I think he's still only 21 now. I think he just turned 21, old enough to be able to buy a beer. Well, well, Denzel's the example, right? Denzel is why you draft so young, right? They, he was, I don't remember how old he was, but he just turned 25 like two days ago and he just signed that big extension amari cooper another guy yeah yeah now it's easier to do in the first round because a lot of guys these days you go to college for three years you're a high recruit you get developed you get out and if you come out after three years in college there's a good chance you're 21 right you know aiden hutchinson's 21 but they're taking guys who are 21 like in the third round it's like well once you get there it's actually kind of an odd combo Right. Because it's like, well, you came out after your junior year. You only played three years of college, uh, but you weren't that great because you're not a first round pick. You're there at pick 99. And then it's one of those, well, that's who you want to draft. We want to draft a guy who was confident enough to leave school, but not good enough to be a first rounder. That's the Browns <laughs> draft model. And it's like, that's analytics. So I don't know. But like I, Denzel is a great example, but like David and Joku, did David and Joku work or not? We don't know. <laughs> we're still trying to figure that out. But the reason, the reason we we're know. still trying to figure that out is because he's only like 18. Yeah. Still. Right. <laughs> so that's what still comes up. He has so much more room to develop because he's so young. But is that good or bad? You had to tag him on it's- a maybe because he's so young. It'd be better know. if he was a third round pick. It's bad because he was a first round pick. Yeah. The jury's I mean, still we, I think we can he's, agree on that. He's not it's had not good. An, he's not had an opportunity to be the number one tight end yet. And now he will. And now his second will. year he did. I mean, his second year was great. And then and then things happened and he, you know, ended up in the doghouse and kind of had to work his way back. There was the trade thing and then Yeah, that was bad. I mean, he he was he was good. He seemed on a good path. Yes. After year two. He was on a he was on a good path until he landed right smack dab in the middle of Freddie Kitchen's doghouse. And that was gonna be it, man. He was done here. Until Freddie left. <laughs> oh Freddie. All right. Denzel Denzel Ward turned 21 two days after the Browns drafted him. That's how young he was. 
Okay. Well, there we go. Our recap of day two of the NFL draft. The Browns make three third round picks. Uh, depending on when you're listening to this, they still have, what is it? Six picks on day three. Oh my God. There's no way. That's a lot of picks. And this Emerson, Emerson, Wright and Bell. What does that sound like to you guys? Emerson, Wright and Bell. A progressive rock group from the seventies. (laughs) (laughs) This is a law firm. Yeah. A little yacht rock. A law firm. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Ashley said a law firm what did I uh, say? I think you said a phone company yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, percent chance that the Browns draft a kicker on Saturday oh high so high 100 yeah. I think it's 100 better be also within those first three picks that they have tomorrow yeah very high but I think the only thing that would have kept them before was like they didn't have a ton of picks and so they got two extra picks and like they're definitely taking a kicker now, no matter what happens, David Bell has got to outplay Cade York if, if they don't end up with Cade York. I cannot w- wait to get to minicamp and ask David Bell if he feels pressure to outplay the Browns <laughs> kicker because the kicker should have gone first. <laughs> All right, we've reached the end point here. That'll do it for this edition of the Orange Brown Talk podcast. Um, I can't guarantee what our podcast cadence is going to be here. We might be back on Saturday to recap the day. We might not be back till we do a round table recapping the whole draft uh, sometime on Sunday, probably. So just make sure you're subscribed to the feed and you'll get it as soon as it's done and published. Uh, So for Mary Kay, Doug, Scott, and Ashley and Dan, thanks for listening, everybody.